All right. Praise God this morning. And, uh, okay, I think we got that set up. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so along the lines of what uh, Pastor was talking about, about, you know, spending, spending, time, uh, spending time with God and the, and the importance of, uh, of doing that. Um, and with Thanksgiving season being, seems like it's almost next week, even though it's a few weeks away, but being around the corner there, um, giving, giving to God and, and giving to those that are, are less fortunate is something that's really, really, really important. And, and as you always hear Pastor say, you can never outgive God. Um, and many times we think of, you know, giving to God in terms of giving financially and um, that would say think about you know giving of God of your of your time you know if you take the the whole concept if you will of, of the tithe and, and 10 percent of uh, of what you make what if you apply that to actually 10 percent of your day spending spending time with God what would that look like um, and there's studies out there that that suggest that in order for a human being to be able to function, you got to have you know seven to eight hours or so of sleep, which uh, of sleep, which means you've got you know sixteen waking hours out of the day. So if you do the math on that, you find out that you know a tenth of your day is about a, uh, an hour and thirty six minutes um, with God, which is you think about it, that's that's a lot of time. You know, how do I carve out an hour and a half out of my day? Well, most of us we we have to commute to get to work, so that's a good fifteen to twenty minutes one way right there. So if you do the math on that, you you've got a good half hour to forty minutes of that time frame right then and there just being able to spend time with God and then if you're talking to God throughout the day it shouldn't be too difficult to reach that you know hour and a half mark and then you've got your time at home when you're actually reading your Bible and spending that one-on-one time um, in your in your prayer closet you know for me I try to do it at seven o'clock each evening and so I've got my calendar set up every single day 7 p.m. you know about 15 minutes before reminder hey time to read your Bible coming up five minutes before it's time to read your Bible and then right at that point seven o'clock it's all right you know try to get in there and um, and spend some time reading reading the Bible. So it's important to be able to spend that time because when you're thinking about, um, like Pastor was talking about, how do I help or how, how do I get assistance for, for things that are going on in my life? Well, if you're not spending time with God, then there's no way you're going to be able to get him to be able to help you with the things that you have going on um, in your life. And if you're not spending that time with him and you don't realize that he can help you, then you also forget the fact that he absolutely, without a doubt, is in control. No matter how hectic a situation might be, no matter how crazy things might be, God is always, always in control. And so today I want to talk about God um, being in control because it's, it's something that's important um, with what's coming up in about a week or so, a week and a half or so, we've got a pretty important decision to make as a country about who's going to be in charge for the next four years um, at least um, in this country. And, and we know where the world is um, in terms of the state of the world. Whoever's going to be in that role, I feel, in the spirit world, that once that election happens, whoever's in that position, if I were to make a track analogy, a track and field analogy, that baton is going to be passed for the anchor leg of the 4 by 400 by the for the 4 by 400 meter relay. Um, so I'm not trying to predict saying, you know, when Jesus is coming back or anything like that, um, but just listening to um, people on my staff and listening to some of the folks when I was out visiting Central Oregon, listening to some of our customers that are new-time Oregon residents, talking about how it wasn't that important for them to get their driver's license, but it was more important for them to be able to be registered to vote in the upcoming election. And there's a lot of buzz around it um, all over all over the, this state and I think all over the country as well. So whatever's going to happen on Election Day and whatever happens between now and then, let's not forget that God is in control. So turning your Bibles to John 1. 
John 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. So John chapter 1, verse 1. And these are all places we've, we've been before. So, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and, in, and, and the life was the light of, of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So there, you know, if you're familiar with Scripture, hopefully all of us are familiar with Scripture to know that um, in this Scripture, in this verse here, we're talking about the Word. The Word, Word, is actually capitalized, which, you know, in Scripture, anytime references like Word or Spirit, He, Him, anytime those are capitalized, it's referencing God. In this case here, the Word they're talking about is Jesus. So if you don't have, a, if you, or if you need a reminder, you know, you may want to put in parentheses next to Word that this is talking about Jesus. This is saying that Jesus was with God from the beginning, um, and God was always has always existed. Now, I have no idea what that means. I can't fathom that. Every time I read that, I sit, I sit down and just think, like, so what does it mean to always be in existence? That's one of the many questions I have for God. You know, when I'm when I get to heaven, to ask Him. It's like, so, so what does that mean? You always existed. No one ever created you. Nothing created you. You created everything. So what was it like? Um, some other scriptures that we're going to look at later on today. I just want you to kind of visualize what was it like, if you if you can, to the best or to the best of your ability. What was it like when nothing was created and it was just kind of just God. What does that what does that mean? I can't wrap my head around it. So I stopped trying. I just say, all right Lord, I'll ask you that when I get up to heaven. You know, what is that what is that like? Kind of like the Trinity. I don't know how that works, but um he'll he'll tell me when the time is right. So um Amen. All right, um verse six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. And all uh, that all through him might believe. Again, talking about Jesus, he was not that. He was not that light. Just talking about John. John wasn't that light. But was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse ten. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world the world did not know him. Okay, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. So when you're thinking about, you know, having situations and, and, and struggles within your life, and it's not to say that every struggle is because you don't know God, but that's a question that you may want to ask yourself. Do you know God and how deeply do you know him? Because depending on that level of knowledge that you have of him and that relationship you have with him is really going to determine what you do during the times of struggle, whether or not you still remember that God is in control, even if things don't go the way that you you want them to go or if the result isn't what you wanted it to be or you didn't get it when you thought that you that you deserved it um you hear pastor always talking about that shiny red sports car <laughs> okay i haven't seen a shiny red sports car you know um but there's a, there, there's there's a reason for it in terms of God's mind, you know. Um, and several several sermons ago, I was talking about when you're when you're praying to God and you're asking for things and, and asking amiss. There's times when you're asking for something and you're just not prepared for whatever it is that you're asking for. God knows that if I give you this, there's going to be all sorts of challenges with it if I give it to you right here and right now. But as you build that relationship with God, as you're communicating with Him, as you're building that trust with Him, and He can trust you, and you're learning how to trust Him, then He'll start to give you those desires of your heart but still he's in control okay let's go ahead now and turn to genesis 1 1 so we've just established that god was always in existence 
from the beginning of time. So turn to Genesis 1 1. easy one to find it's probably after the first five or ten pages of your book because you know it's got all the introductions and all of that in there so but I'll wait for everyone to get there Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth the earth was without form and void and, and, was, and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters I'm going to pause there for a second because this is where it's important that, um, as Pastor was saying earlier, when you go to pick up that user manual on, the, on your car, a piece of electronics, whatever it is that's not working, that he'll still pray before, before, pray before he actually opens it. Well, you've got to do the same thing with the Bible. You can't just pick it up and read it like a novel. Because you see, in John 1.1, 1, 1, the first thing that it said was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. You start here in Genesis, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So Genesis isn't starting with, okay, God was always in existence. This is the beginning to talk about creation. If you go to the end of the book, into Revelation, Revelation also talks about the war in heaven between Michael and, and, and Satan, and when he got kicked out. So if you just pick this up and just try to read and say, okay, Genesis 1-1, this is the very, very first part, beginning of time, and you go through and you try to read it front to back like that, you'll never be able to grasp what's actually in the Bible and you'll miss everything that Holy Spirit is talking to you about. I remember when I was um, when I was playing football in college and we were in a dorm um, and I had a, one of my teammates, we, we shared a room and I had the Bible sitting sitting next to, my, um, uh, next to my bed there and he actually looked at me and he said, you can actually understand that? I said, yeah. <laughs> He's like, man, he said, I tried reading it over and over again. He said, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I, and I stopped for a second because, you know, I get teased a lot and, and, and all in fun that I'm not a book reader. You know, I'm not, I'm not into reading books. I'm, I'm a picture kind of person, you know. <laughs> My mind is, is, is visual. So the books that I'll be grabbing if I was at a bookstore would be like a little pop-up book or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, and it's got all those pictures, pictures in it with, you know, just one or two sentence lines. And then, oh, okay, I get it, you know. Um, but what I found over the years is that anytime I pick up and read the Bible, it's pretty easy to understand. With all the words that are in it, it's easy to understand. And I ask myself, well, why is that? And it's because I spend some time praying and asking Holy Spirit to reveal whatever it is that he's trying to reveal to me when I read this. And I've learned to then do that whenever I'm reading anything else. So if I've got a you know 30-page document that I need to read in the office, then I know for a fact after the first paragraph, I'm you know ready for bullet points and cliff notes. Um, <laughs> just to ask Holy Spirit, help me to understand what this is, what, what, what this is actually saying and help me understand more importantly from a spiritual perspective because there might be something in there um, that I'm missing and then I've got to make a decision based off of what's in that document. So just just a little side note there when you're reading your Bible and even coming to church, making sure that you've got your Holy Spirit spiritual ears on um, and your Holy Spirit eyes on when you're reading so that God can reveal the things to you um, that he's trying to actually say and get your your human mind out of it. Okay. Um, so as we go through these scriptures, really just try to, in your mind's eye, visualize what this what this may have looked like um, if God if you were back there with God during that time. What would this look like? Okay. Um, so verse three. Uh, yeah, verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So I almost kind of envision just kind of this 
vast nothingness. And we know that God being the light, his light can shine on anything. But now he's kind of getting in that mode of my light can shine on everything, but I know what's coming. And in the future, I'm going to have to create mankind to live on the earth. So I've got to create a different kind of light because when I go into my spirit world and and mankind is in the physical world, they're not going to physically see my light. So now I've got to create a light for them to be able to see so they can maneuver through through the physical realm. Okay. Uh, where now? What did I just leave off? Okay, verse uh, verse six. Then God said, "Let there be a firmament in the midst of, in the midst of the waters, and let it divide from the wa- let it divide the waters from the waters." Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the were the second day. And it's amazing when you look at this. And it's just saying, God said, God said, God said, God said, and it happened. So when you've got something going on in your life, why don't you say, I will be victorious. God will deliver me from this situation. Instead of thinking, boy, I really hope that I can get through this. I really hope that this happens. I really hope the candidate that I'm elect, that I'm, you know, putting in the ballot box, I really hope that they get, get elected. Speak it forth in the name of Jesus and it's, and, 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 it'll, and it'll happen. Because if God doubted, eh, yeah, I am all powerful, but is this light really going to happen if I say, all right, let's, let's try it out. Light, I would like you to form. No, he didn't say that. He said, let there be light. And the original translation actually says, light be. So you think about that, how powerful that statement is. Light be, and then bang, it's in existence. I mean, that, that, that's pretty powerful. And that shows you the type of faith that God actually had to have in his own spoken word. We even know that Jesus had to exercise faith when he was um, when he was in, in human form. Um, every any time that he prayed and any time he talked to God, he said, "Thank you, God, for this and, and thank you for that." And he spoke with confidence because he knew that even though while he was a man, he still knew the power of God and power of the Holy Spirit, and he spoke with that confidence, knowing that if I speak it, it's going it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, verse. Let's see. Verse nine. Then God said. Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and, uh, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the uh, the herb that that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. Its kind. <clears throat> and God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the, th- were the third day. So it's interesting there when you talk when you see about seeds of the of the trees bringing forth the trees and the fruits of its kind well as us as christians when god plants that seed within us on what it means to follow him and doing what he's asking you to do that's the type of fruit that we should be bringing forth if we're actually following him because if it's, if you're not doing that then the question you have to ask yourself is well what kind of seed if if i'm if i'm supposed to be a christian and i'm and i should have a victorious life because i'm i'm following christ 
If I'm not being victorious, what kind of seed is being planted in me? And what am I doing to water that seed? Because it should be one that's going to bring forth fruit of its own kind. So that means when I have these trials and tribulations that are coming up, I should be able to be victorious. Doesn't mean that it's going to be overnight, the very next day, etc. like that, but in God's timing. But it should be that I should be victorious. I shouldn't be running around all upset and, and, and crying and angry at the world and, and, and just in a depressed mode because I'm, I'm having challenges. Because if, that, if I truly have God's seed planted in me then the fruit that I should be bringing forth is victory, it should be peace, it should be patience, it should be perseverance and it should be just making sure that I'm always talking to God and knowing that God is in that God is in control. There's a lot in there that's a whole other sermon um, in and of itself but I wanted to make sure that I brought that forth because I think that's, that's important when you're talking about God being in control and so um, again thinking about this upcoming election cycle when you put your ballot in that box Something is going to happen on election night. Either you'll be very, very, very happy because your candidate got got selected, or you might be a little, um, I won't say depressed or upset, but you know what I mean? You might be a little disappointed because your candidate didn't actually get selected. But if you remember that God is in control and you're bringing forth that fruit based off of your kind as a Christian, then it, sh- it shouldn't bother you. Amen? All right. Um, picking up here, so verse 13. So the evening and the morning um, were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made, all, he made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw it was good. So the evening and, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Again, as you're reading in there, you'll see, um, uh, where is it? You'll see many times in scripture it'll say, um, God said this and it was so. So again, the kind of that, that faith, that's talking to the faith that God had to have in his own power and his own ability to say, if I say X, Y is going to happen, period. There's no doubting about it. It didn't say, well, then uh, God said this, and then 300 years later, when he said, let there be light, light actually came. And all. It said, when God said, let there be light, there was light, and it was so. So it wasn't, there, there was no wavering in God's, God's faith. And if you imagine if, um, if God did waver that way, then how hypocritical would it be for him to expect us to have faith if he didn't have faith in his, his own word? So you can see right there, when he said he was going to do something or when he said let there be light and let this happen let this happen it happened other places in scripture God says that my word will not turn unto me, return unto me void so again that faith that he has in his own word recognizing that he knows that he's in control well we have to also know that he's in control as well amen um, verse 20 there then God said let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, which was the which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every wing uh, every wing bird according to its kind. And God saw it was good. And God blessed them, saying, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth." So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So again, you see, in its own kind. So now, 
where do these different species of birds come from? How did all of that happen? Well, it's right there. It says it right there in Scripture. God created them. So this is where, if you look at, well, you've got this species X, Y, and Z. Well, where did that come from? And where did it, quote-unquote, evolve from that you'll, you'll hear some scientists say? Well, it's because God said, this type of bird... Here's, here's all the birds that I'm going to create. This type of bird, this type of fish, this type of whale. He created all of that. So there's no evolution of this one animal that over time evolved into, into something else later on. There's none of that. It's, it's, it's pretty clear right, right, then in the, right there in Scripture. Amen? Um, in verse, what did we just leave off? Verse 23. So verse 24. Uh, yeah, verse 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and the beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw it was good. So monkeys did not evolve into human beings. Okay? It says it according to its kind. Nothing in there says, oh, yep, God created this animal, and then he saw this thing coming up, so over time he touched it and made it turn into what we call human beings today. Because right here in verse 26, it says exactly what he did, how we were created as human beings. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So you see there, that language there, we have dominion over everything on this earth. We have dominion over every single situation that comes our way. So if God said this is what mankind is going to be created to do, why do we get so bent out of shape and why do we get so scared and why do we get so afraid and frustrated when a challenge comes our way? Why do we worry when things don't go the way that we think they should when God says right here, give them dominion over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth? Okay, so we have dominion over over this earth. Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay? Male and female. Amen. Didn't say male and male. Didn't say female and female. It doesn't say Adam and Steve or Madam and Eve. It says male and female. Okay? So anybody that thinks anything other than that is natural, it's clear right there. God created male and female. He created them. Then verse 28. Then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Underline dominion again. And God said, verse 29, God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. So again, you see there, and it was so. May God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were, were the sixth day. Okay. So we established in, Gen- in, John, in John 1, 1, that God has always been in existence. Jesus was always in, in existence. Here in Genesis 1, it's showing that he created everything, and this is how he created everything, okay? So now let's, start, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, and we're just going to jump to um, verse 4. 
So Genesis chapter 2, we're just going to jump into to verse 4. You know, let's just start in verse 1. <clears throat> Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the, the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Verse 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth. Okay, underline that. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust, of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. So anybody that says we've evolved from any kind of animal out there, whether it's a monkey, pig, or some other animal out there, um, right there you can, you, can, you can show them right there in scripture where it says <clears throat> in verse 7, Genesis 2 verse 7, and God formed man of the dust of the ground. He didn't form him from another animal. He didn't have another animal all of a sudden mutate and change its form to become who we are today. Um, he created them from the dust of the ground and then he breathed life into them. Um, so don't let anyone ever try to tell you otherwise, because um, there, there, there have been Christians out there um, that have said, oh, well, there could be some of that and there could be some of that. And they are completely, completely misguided. So if they're really reading the word and they're asking, asking for Holy Spirit revelation, they should be able to see it clearly, clearly, clear as day, um, as clear as I'm standing up here before you, they should be able to clearly see that no, that, that did not happen, okay? Now, what does this have to do with God being in control? Well, we know there's this great theory called the Big Bang Theory, and I say great being sarcastic. There's this theory out there about the Big Bang Theory and this massive explosion that actually took place to form everything that we have in existence. Okay? Now, if you have, if you've never done this, I would encourage you to do this, but if you go out and you look at photos of the universe, it's a pretty awesome sight to see. If you go out and watch videos of, um, and I can't remember the name of the video, but there's actually a video of a guy that went up in one of those U-2 spy planes, and they were a good 100,000 feet or so above the earth, and his reaction is he was just kind of looking out, at, at looking over the earth one way, and then looking up and seeing space, because he's right on the edge of space. You cannot tell me that a massive explosion and some act of randomness and chaos created all of that, because there's, there's no way. And even if you look at the universe and you look at all the different galaxies it's it's kind of randomly put together but there's also a beauty to it it doesn't make sense but it's just kind of beautiful how the different colors kind of interact and all the different stars kind of interact and if you don't think that has God's stamp on it then you're sorely sorely mistaken because the way God operates at times it doesn't make sense right and his word even says um, that my ways are, are, are higher than your ways right so whatever God does you don't necessarily understand it and he may or may not reveal that to you so you can see his work just in just looking at how the universe is, is created. So where it doesn't quite make sense, but there's a beauty to it. The way God operates doesn't always make sense, but it, there's a beauty to the way he operates, the way he loves us, and the way he carries out plans. 
So how is God in control? Well, because chaos, confusion, the word says God is not the author of confusion. So there's no way that everything came into existence because of this just random atom exploding and then leading into the creation of the earth. So we just went through um, all of Genesis 1 about how God was very methodical in how he created the earth. Now, you you can tie some other scriptures into this as well. Um, And I don't know the the scriptures off the top of my head, um, but when you think about... Why is mankind here? Why, why are we in existence? We were created to, to, to worship God. We were created to love God. We were created to follow him. God wants to spend all of eternity with us. Okay, So why did he go through this process of creating everything? Well, God being omnipotent knew that Lucifer was going to, and he said, Lucifer said, I will uh, ascend above God's throne. I will, I will, I will. So God knew that, okay, I'm going to have this situation come up here where I'm going to have this kind of rebellion, if you will, um, this war in heaven. And I want um, a living being to just worship me and follow me for who I am. Angels have free will, but they have a different purpose in in God's kingdom. They are there um, to, to, to... Help us, if you will, when we're sending forth prayers to God, God then takes the angels and he dispatches them to carry out whatever it is he needs them to carry out, whether it's fighting against demonic forces, whether it's to deliver a word. Um, that's the purpose of the angels. For us as human beings, our purpose is to, is to follow God and is to praise him and to worship him and to spend eternity with him. So why did God have to create the earth? Well, he created it because physically we can't survive in space. Right. So we have to be on this planet so that we can navigate through the through the physical world until we get called home um, at a at a at a point in time of God's choosing. So when he tells Jesus to call his children home and then we get to go home and in our bodies and and, and scripture says it, our bodies, we're going to have these glorified bodies. We're going to be raised up higher than what the than, than what the angels are, which shows that we we mean. We mean more to God, if you will, than what the angels mean to him. Amen. Does that make sense? We are his ultimate crowning creation, and we, when we go home, we're going to be in these glorified bodies that's going to be beyond what, what the angels are able to do. And we know angels can peer through walls, and they can travel pretty quickly and everything like that. There's evidence in Scripture of that. So we're going to be in a, in a, in a much higher state, if you will, than even what they are, being able to spend eternity worshiping and, and praising God. So if you ever think for any minute... That God isn't in, that God isn't in control. Just think about how He's orchestrated everything from creation to where we are right now, to what the Book of Revelation talks about um, us spending e- eternity with Him, to having the enemy locked up for a season, just to be to be locked up for a season and then released for a season, and then for us, then for Him to get locked up finally, and then for us to be able to spend eternity with God. God's got His hands on all of that. Everyone that's in a position of power right now is only there because God allowed him to be there. Jesus told Pontius Pilate, the only power that you have over me is what my power is, the power that my Father in heaven has given you. So whatever you've got going on in your life, do not forget for one instant that, that's God, that God is in control. It's not a random act. It's not a random chance that you are where you are today. It's not a random chance that you are facing whatever challenges that, that you're facing or whatever sickness you may be going through or whatever your bank account is may, be, may, may look like. God is in control 100%. He's been around since the be- before the beginning of time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means he, if he was in control back 
back then, he's in control today, he's going to be in control tomorrow. And so whenever you're looking at the news or you're hearing um, people in authority doing things that are, are, are pretty corrupt, don't fret over it. Bring some, it should bring you some peace knowing that, 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 that God is actually in control because he's orchestrating everything, okay? So, um, coming up on, on during this, uh, this, this next election here, uh, when you're, you know, submitting your ballot and everything and you're waiting for the results and you're watching everything on, on election night, don't worry necessarily about what the result's gonna be. Whatever the result is, don't fret over it. Don't be upset about it. Don't get angry over it. Um, don't, don't just, you know, go into this state of, constant crying and oh you see this and you see this don't start complaining just recognize that it is what it is so to speak and God's got his hand on this he said that my word will not return unto me void so everything that he said he was going to do in this word even though it hasn't come out the way we think it should or in the time frame that we think it should he indeed is in control he's got all of this in the palm of his hand and he knows what's, he knows what's happening so that should bring about some peace for you that should bring out some calmness for you and knowing that whatever the result is going to be is what the result's going to be. I love playing football. One of the things we used to say is as long as everybody gives it 100%, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So if you can go home at the end of that game, even if you lost, if you can look in the mirror and say, there was nothing I could do differently, then whatever's going to happen is going to happen. If you give everything to God, 100%, every single thing that you do, even to the route, down to the route that you take from work, um, down to what it is you should buy from the grocery store, if you give all of that to God, 100%, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. There's nothing else for you to do. God has plans that we just don't understand. Kind of the way the universe is put together. It doesn't quite make sense when you look at it, but there's a beauty to it and you can see God's hand in it. It's the same way that He operates, the same way that He operates in our lives. Amen? Um, with that, let's go ahead and prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.